Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. So we started a series called Table Talk yesterday. You know, Table Talk, we have the nine kind of behaviors that we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. It's the most mysterious, maybe, because, you know, you say corporate worship, people are like, oh, I know what oh, yeah. that is. Yeah. yeah. Table Talk, though, what does that mean? And really what Table Talk means, what we're saying is creating a rhythm of outward-facing relationship time, like mm-hmm. time during your month or your week, when you're focused on outward facing relationships, on your relationships with outsiders, as we saw in the passage from Colossians, um, where that's a very, where that's intentional. I love this idea. Um, I think it's, uh, um, oh, what was the guy's name? Um, Timis, uh, Steve Timis. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Steve Timis, uh, you know, what is like really a kind of obedience to the great commission is doing the things that you normally do with gospel intentionality. Mm -hmm. Like it's Mm -hmm. that as you go, be making disciples, doing the things you normally do with gospel Mm -hmm. intentionality. Right. And so I think what we're trying to do is like create an intentional, you know, some intentional rhythm in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be in shape. And so I've created the intentional rhythm of, you know, working out during the week. Right. It's not that like that's the only thing I do, right? I mean, sometimes like Blake may be randomly just say, "Hey, you want to go for a run?" Mm-hmm. And I may do that. So I may just have like a sporadic thing or like maybe another another part of that is obviously eating right. And that's something I have to kind of think about all the time. But if I really want to stay in shape, I need these rhythms of mm-hmm. intentionality and that's actually the thing that kind of pushes me into that. And so if we want to be obedient to the Great Commission and be a disciple maker and and particularly in an evangelistic way or toward outsiders kind of way, I think it's really easy as Christians to kind of get in these habits where, you know, because inward facing relationships are easier in, mm-hmm. a, in, in oh, yeah. a way. Yeah. And so if the more and more you fall in love with the Lord, it's kind of easy to only have inward facing relationships, mm-hmm. inward facing relationships that are, you know, obviously we, we have outward facing relationships all the time, but like the relationship that you know you have with the dry cleaner when you give them your clothes and you take the money yeah. is not that meaningful of a relationship. Mm-hmm. So having meaningful relationships with outsiders and, and taking time and energy to do that, even though you may not share a worldview, even though they may say things that you disagree with, even though like at times they may say things that are like unholy and mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of like, should I even be in this conversation <laughs> right now? But, but I do think at, if the gospel is going to advance, it's only going to advance because Christians are, having intentional outward facing relationships. And really that's the hope of this whole series. Yeah. And and to further your point about the difficulty of having relationships that are outward facing, I think Russ Moore said one time um, that Christians in America have more in common with the the Christians who live in huts in Africa than we do with our atheistic neighbor. Yeah. It's just like your, your value systems and the way you think about things totally different which is kind of yeah. amazing mm-hmm. right i mean if you meet a spirit-filled person 
from, like you just said, any country in the world. I mean, particularly if you if you speak the same language. I mean, language is also obviously like a. But even if you don't speak the same language, to your point, like you know, you can meet a a, a spirit filled, God loving person, and there's just this beautiful connection. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, here's one that comes to mind because they all spoke English. Um, I've done a lot of mission trips where you meet a lot of people that and you're always talking through a translator, which can be very difficult. But like I'm, I did this mm-hmm. mission trip in Moldova a few years ago and man, I just had the best time, like the best time mm-hmm. I've ever had because these people just love Jesus and they, you know, they were brothers, they were sisters. And, uh, it was just a, you mm-hmm. saw the spirit of Christ in them, mm-hmm. but we're not just called to have those kinds of relationships. That's right. That's right. right. And I think this passage is a passage, Colossians 4, that we're looking at two through six. It, it pushes us out. And and the thing that we talked about yesterday that uh, I think is kind of the first step in the push out or the, the looking out is prayerfully engaging mm-hmm. with yeah. those that are outside. Now, the tool that we have here, and it's certainly not like it's just a tool, right? is what we call the little table talk card. I carry one around. It's a reminder to me to pray for people that don't know the Lord. Uh, and for me, if I'm going to pray about anything with any regularity, I need some sort of a reminder. Um, unless it's, of course, like Paige or my kids. But I mean, that the, the fact that they live with me is a reminder, right? Right. And so if I'm going to pray for things that don't obviously come to mind, I need some sort of a kind of a memory jog reminder. I did mention some other tools yesterday. I talked about the Frank Barker. Uh, Will Carlisle texted me after the sermon and said, you had me at Frank Barker. Uh, <laughs> and Good Birmingham kid. You know what? Well, Will knows Birmingham. And that that's actually one of the things I love about Frank Barker. Um, like, I don't know if y'all like really know who Frank Barker is. You You kind of only know Frank Barker if you're from Alabama because he like didn't write a lot of books. He like didn't have a radio program. Mm-hmm. But he just like made a ton of disciples for mm. like 40 years. I mean, he still is. Mm-hmm. And the guy just like walked with the Lord humbly. He was super humble. He just and and if you meet Frank, the most the most impressive thing about Frank is how unimpressive Frank is. Like he's not, I mean, he's smart, but it's not like you meet him. It's not like meeting Dr. Moeller or something where you're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this guy's just full. Or even Harry Reader, his uh, successor, who's a very impressive man, you know, is impressive to me. You know, Frank's not impressive to me. You know, he's just this like simple, humble guy hmm. that just loves Jesus, but he is led. I mean, I mean, you can walk around Birmingham and like everybody there is like, Oh yeah, I, Frank Barker led me to faith. Frank Barker. Mm-hmm. Led me to faith. It's wow. like everybody in Alabama has like a Frank Barker story. But I think one of the reasons is because he's such a faithful prayer warrior and he's so in tune with what God is doing. And that's really, you know, God has created a world, as I said yesterday, that his heart is moved by our prayers. But one of the things that prayer does for us is it kind of tunes us in with what the Lord is doing, mm-hmm. with the the FM signal, if you will, of God's work. Prayer tunes us into that to where we can really engage with it. So mm-hmm. that was hope, the hope of yesterday, that we would be more active in our outward-facing prayers. I don't know, any like tips or, you know best practices that you guys know about that may be helpful for our folks in terms of kind of creating and engaging in an outward facing prayer life? Well, I think the first place to start is your neighborhood, right? I mean, the people that you actually live near. I mean, we live in a secular world. We live in a post-Christian environment. 
mean, just what if the 600 and some odd members of our church pursued their neighbors with gospel intentionality? I mean, like, so God has placed you where you are for a purpose. Like, you know, Ben Washer's testimony and the letter that he read afterwards about this guy's recounting of that moment. He said, you know, God puts people around you for Mm -hmm. a purpose. And I think sometimes we... And I love what you said earlier by by uh, Stephen Timmis. Like, it's just about living your life and doing the things that you do with gospel intentionality. Like, what if it wasn't so yeah. complicated? Like, what yeah. if it was just we're seeing things with gospel eyes and we're realizing God's providential work and His invitation to us to be a part of it that compels us just to go get to know our neighbors better. Yeah, I, I Blake, I totally agree with you. I think that. I mean, Paul starts off this conclusion by saying, you know, be watchful. Right. He says, pray and then be watchful. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, a guy named Roger Greenway, Roger, he's a good old Southern boy. One of my dad's best buddies growing up. He called me two weekends ago, right after had the eye stuff go on and he was calling to pray for me. But then he went into, I looked at my phone, a 45 minute, basically sermon encouraging me to leverage this to share Christ with someone. Wow. And he is a true this soul the call winner. call that you... Uh, I think we talked about this. Oh, no, this was a different... This was Reed Rawlings. Anyway, I'm sorry. I got you confused. Another guy that just endured cancer, and someone called him and was like, look, don't waste this. Like, yeah. same kind of thing. This, mm-hmm. this guy, Roger, is... He lives this out all the time in his neighborhood, uh, where he works out, um, he's older, so he goes to the doctor a little bit more. He looks, uh, he's, he just prays. He loves Jesus, but he resists the urge to only be around Christians, which he loves. He loves Christians, but he just no, I get it. resists that urge and says, I have time for Christians, but Lord, you, you left me on this earth. Who do I need to tell Jesus? Uh, who, who do I need to introduce Jesus to? Mm-hmm. And he really exemplifies when you talked about the three people, I was like, man, who are my three people? Who am I praying for right now? Roger would probably say, give me five of those cards. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he he's developed this, not as a program, which is how you led into all this, but it's a rhythm. That's right. It's yeah. a part of his life knowing part of the reason the Lord didn't just take us up to heaven. As soon as we become Christians is because there's other folks that need to know the Lord mm-hmm. still here. That's right. Yeah. I think that, Pray and then watch because God's going to, that's a prayer God's going to answer. Well, and, and, and I think the reason that the Lord did that too, kind of pivoting now to where we started the sermon yesterday, and, and I don't know if that was helpful or not, but I, I kind of wanted to begin with addressing the theological problem of prayer and evangelism. I mean, mm-hmm. this idea of the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. And, but but I think the, the reason that the Lord designed the way that the, the world the way that He did was because when do you get the most delight in the Lord, you know? And Mm. and it's usually when you're activated for the Lord, right? When you're worshiping the Lord, when you're serving the Lord, when you're telling others about the Lord, when you're praying to the Lord uh, on behalf of someone else, right? Mm. There's a ton of delight in that. Like our hearts are attuned with the Lord. And so I think in God's kind of beautiful providence, he has designed the world in such a way where he invites us in to his work so that we will delight in him. And then 
bring him glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I love that. I love that, um, you know, that is what the Lord is. Like you said, he doesn't just take us to heaven. He, he, he says, okay, now yeah. here's my work. I want you to be a part of it. Um, yeah. And I think like to that point, just thinking about God as a God who uses means, you know, God was happy prior to creation, right? I mean, God God could have chosen to receive glory in any way Mm -hmm. he wanted to, but what was the means by which he chose to receive glory? By creating a world where he can have image bearers, where he can be known through his revealed word. Like the means by which he receives glory is something that he created. And the purpose of this thing is to honor and give glory to God. The same is true for you know, spiritual growth, right? So for us as Christians, like what is the means by which God grows you to become more like Christ? He could have just upon faith, you know, made you just Christ-like and we live this life of sinless perfection, but we didn't. That's he didn't, right? right? So yeah. so what is the means? He The means is like the intake of God's word, prayerfulness, the Christian community and accountability and all of these things that he uses to grow us into Christ's conformity. He can do whatever he wants in evangelism. He can save whom he will save, right? But the means by which he chooses to have his kingdom go forth is you and I. That's right. right. Christians that were sinners or are sinners redeemed by God's grace. And so he is a God of means intentionally. And he's inviting us to be those means wherever we are. Well, what let me ask you guys. You hit on this in the sermon yesterday. Maybe we can make it break it down a little bit more for folks, but so I'm praying for three people. You're praying for three people. Blake, you're praying for three people. We're watching. God opens the door for a conversation. Then there's that tension of how much do I push? How when when do I switch change the channel and and talk about sports? Right, right. Um, it's probably a little different for all of us, but because uh, some because it creates there's a tension. There's a tension when you start talking about. Uh, how we're separated from the Lord and we need Jesus. I mean, that that causes unrest in folks. Sure. Do you have any, I know you mentioned a little bit yesterday, but either of you guys have any thoughts on, here's kind of what I do sometimes or how I work that out. Yeah, and, and so I think that, I'm giving you a little bit of a preview. In two weeks, okay, we're going to talk about, so the kind of the final part of that, you know, yeah. talks about, seasoning your conversation with salt, like Mm -hmm. gospel salt. So actually, even this morning, I had a great opportunity. I was at my old man workout club and this guy, you know, has come up to me and he's kind of, he was actually saying like, I'm looking for some advice. He's trying to help, uh, he was trying to help uh, a needy person. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and basically I just was able to infuse like, the mission of Christ, what Christ has come to do and like how Christ is doing it just into that conversation. And he was like, yeah, I was really helped by that. And, you know, and so like there's doors like that everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so now what I hopefully did in that conversation, because I know him and we're friends is I entrust it. You know, I, I created a renewed trust. Okay. I can look to Jason. There's some spiritual insight there that was helpful, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I, I want to stay in that place. Um, now, sometimes confrontation actually is helpful, but it's only helpful when it's like done in love, and mm-hmm. you know. And so 
you know, yeah. John Kellis had baseball practice yesterday and, you know, there was a couple of points the coach, you know, yelled at him, hustle John Kellis. Like, it's because he loves him. He cares about him. You know, he yeah. confronted his, you know, lack of hustle. Um, and so I, it's not that we never confront, but, but right. we're moving in. I think the question that I would ask is, <clears throat> this isn't my project. That's, that's it's the key. It's God's project. Yeah. And so I want to find myself helpful in God's project as I kind of move this person along hmm. um, or help this person to move mm-hmm. along. And so what question, what tension is God raising in their heart that I can kind of bring some settlement to? So in, in a couple of weeks, we're, we're just going to lay out like the God, man, Jesus response mm-hmm. that we talk about a lot. But yeah, but are they asking a question about God now? Are they asking a question about themselves and how they relate to God? Are they asking a question about who Jesus is and, mm. and how he engages with our life? Do they need to respond to this in some way? Are they struggling to respond? And so how can I kind of help move them along mm-hmm. that grid? Um, and, and I want to stay helpful in that, you know, uh, kind of along every stage. And yeah. I think that's where people make a mistake in evangelism is that we, we look at it as, okay, I just want to finish this job. And yeah. I look at a lot of things like that. I, I totally get like... Get it off center. Accomplishing a job <laughs> is it. very, you know, rewarding. Sure. Um, but but it's not really our job to accomplish. We're, we're helping God in his great project of redemption. Mm-hmm. And when I say helping God, that's yeah. probably not the right way of putting it, but we're joining in with what God what is God's doing. doing. That's, yeah, that's right. right. I, I like the uh, John Kellis baseball and like his coach kind of analogy. I mean, John Kellis is there to do what? Yeah, play baseball. To play the baseball. There, yeah. There's a there's a standard that this coach understands that he's trying to get John Kellis to, and he knows that John Kellis will enjoy this game so much more if he gets rid of these bad habits and he adopts the right standard. That's right. right. Yeah. And we live in a day like this postmodern world that we're in that like everybody is their own, you know, rule of truth, and so who are we to confront anybody? And we can be very susceptible to adopting that mindset. While we would never say that's true, we would we adopt that mindset at times. Um, but really what God has placed us here to do is to help people live life as life was supposed to That's be right. lived. That's right. right. That's right. And, and realize that we're not here to, to hit them with the Bible over the head, to bonk them. We're not here to shoot them with the, the uh, scripture machine gun that you referenced a few weeks ago. Right. <laughs> we're here to lovingly lead them to a life that is full right. and joyful that's right. And it's so loving, yeah. you know? And yeah, of course, in our culture, in our day, the fact that we believe that there is a standard, that there is a truth mm-hmm. is offensive at times. But there's a way through time, through relationship, that you can lovingly lead people to understand the value of that for their lives and mm-hmm. see that the hope of achieving it, well, was actually already achieved in Christ. We don't want yeah. to allow people to continue living in a false narrative. Mm-hmm. And that is not loving at all, yeah. right? I mean, to That's the right. again to use the sports analogy, it's always fun when practice gets canceled. It's always fun when you can kind of slag on a drill until you show up to the first game and you get you get beat. Yeah, That's you right. know, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, you know, yeah. what what something went wrong here, and and yeah, I think that I mean, obviously, I hope that God brings, and well, God does bring moments of clarity along in everybody's life Mm -hmm. now there's one kind of final moment of clarity when we see the lord face to face and that's the moment that you know we're trying to help people come to clarity before that final moment of clarity Mm -hmm. right Um, that's right and 
the reality about that moment is like we never know when it happens, right? That's right. And and you used to That's hear, right. I used to hear this all the time in like my Southern Baptist upbringing is like if you were to die tonight, and we kind of have like gotten away from that because we've kind of put that in the category of like old hokey sayings, yeah. But like there is actually a great truth, <laughs> like there's something deeply biblical about that, you know that that is true, right? That we don't know the time or the hour. We don't we That's don't right. know the day or the hour. That's right. Like, I mean. And so we we do because of that need to have a sense of urgency about it, not just kind of it. Yeah. It's not passive watchfulness. It's not bird watching, right? That's not the kind of thing that Paul's talking about here. When you're prayerful and you're watchful, this is this is a proactive watchfulness to see that, where you need to get in the game. That was that was Roger when Roger Greenway that phone call that night. There was a sense of urgency in this older yeah. man. That was inspiring. That's right. He really wants people to see Jesus face to face one day. And he wants them to have what he has. Well, and it's harder now. There's not as many moments of clarity like that. Like when mm. in the olden days, you know, most everybody went to church every Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. moment of clarity in that church next to that church. There was a cemetery, right? Oh yeah. Moment of clarity, mm -hmm. right? I I, uh, I just uh, I'm reading the rise and triumph of the modern self right now. Have you, have you started reading that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you did have you gotten to the part where he talks about like he's talking about how technology has removed us from the earth mm -hmm. and it's removed? Right. Have you read this book? I've I'm, I'm started it. I've, yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you gotten to this point? So I thought that was so good. Like we're in this like, of course, like we are we have fallen into the false narrative of the modern self yeah. because there's nothing to reground us in terms That's of right. dependence mm -hmm. on god like everything in the society is saying you are self-determined mm -hmm. uh, nothing is saying dependence yeah. nothing is saying need um and so we've mm -hmm. so those those moments of clarity are so yeah. rare that's one yeah. of the reasons i love going home like i grew up in south georgia and we live on this you know, farm that was bought by my granddad. But you know what? My granddad's buried there. Yeah. And my grandmother's mm -hmm. buried there, right there on the land. Yeah. And so, like, when you go home, wherever you are in the yard, you can see the grave. And 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 seeing that is just clarifying. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a good thing. There to was do. there was how old are you right now, Blake? I'm sorry. Uh, thirty two. Yeah. There was one point when your granddad was thirty two, mm -hmm. and he was healthy as a horse, and he was running around mm -hmm. chasing kids, and now he's dead. Yeah. And that's just a great, like, yeah, to that point, like that is a, just a great, like, we, I wish we had more than writers, but the thing is, is we, we were removing this. I mean, even like funerals, like secular people don't have funerals, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, that's just a, that's like a, a, a thing of the past. We've removed all of these like yeah. beautiful rhythms that teach us dependence, you know? And so, hmm. uh, and, and sometimes they're like the best things that can happen to us. I mean, Thomas, obviously we've been praying for your eye and I'm sorry that that happened to you, but like, in some sense, like, you know, what a clarifying moment of yeah. how fragile we are and how huh. dependent we are. Very, um, a very, it creates a finiteness that's healthy. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and it's very, it, we need those moments in life when we realize I'm fragile. This whole system is fragile. What is strong out there? Right. I need God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I feel like we didn't even mean to talk about this whole like yeah, last five so. minutes, well, but the, the, I think it's important. Yeah. Uh, well, and, uh, what what about the just? I'm pumped for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks is going to be amazing. 
Oh, man. All right. Well, wait. Now, something else that we were talking about, Blake, that I thought was interesting. So, you know, I talked about the whole like inward facing yeah. and outward yeah, facing yeah. relationships. And yeah, for sure. Like, um, you know, I grew up and said this at the end of the sermon. I, I grew up in the Southern Baptist world, this little church of 50 people. And uh, every single message was like, evangelistic yeah like oh, yeah. at its core like in in you know it was almost as if the pastor when he was writing a sermon it's like how can i evangelize the lost today and then you craft a sermon using this passage to evangelize um the lost and, and we have a different approach right um we have a different approach where the sermons that are being crafted and preached are for the the church they're not for the lost they're actually for the christians the people who have these existing inward relationships, this covenantal bond together as church members. Why do we do that? Explain why mm. we do that yeah. and how that works and compels us towards outward facing relationships. Well, I, I do think like in one sense, yeah, I mean, I would say that the, the sermons are gospel centered. Now, hear what I'm saying. In a way that will minister to someone who's a believed to the gospel yeah. and someone mm. who has yet to believe right, the gospel, Right. right? But I do think like one of the misnomers were, I mean, there's this great old story um, where somebody came, you know, up to Martin Luther after he was preaching one week in Wittenberg and they said, you know, Martin Luther, you always preach the gospel. Like, you know, you're always reminding us of the gospel. Uh, you know, when are, when is it, when are we going to move on? You know, when are we going to move on from the gospel? And, you know, Martin Luther said, you know, I preach the gospel to you every week because you forget the gospel every week, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I grew up in a setting uh, that was similar, Blake, where it was like, okay, like I've heard the gospel. And I think to your point in that setting, you kind of start feeling this, you start looking around the room, like who needs to hear this today? Mm -hmm. You know, like what lost person is here? I invited my friend today. I hope they're listening to this. And you become like this evangelistic fan you know, of your preacher who's like the master evangelist rather mm -hmm. than someone who actually needs to be sitting under the preached word of God. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our approach would be, I mean, I hope so if you're, if your lost friend is there, they're going to hear the gospel, but they're going to hear it in a way that, you know, that you need to hear it too. Right. The gospel actually applies to every aspect of our existence, of our growth, mm -hmm. um, of our life. Um, but really our hope is that as the whole church is being edified in the gathering of the saints and the gathering of the saints is there's the corporate gathering, but then we have small gatherings throughout mm -hmm. the week. I mean, our group gathering is a gathering of the saints. It's an inward facing relationship. Um, Thomas, if you and I go grab a cup of coffee later, that's a gathering of the saints. So it's an inward facing mm -hmm. relationship. I hope that we're both edified so that we can scatter in a way that is, you know, evangelistic and purposeful for the kingdom that, that displays Christ to the watching world. And so, uh, but yes, I think that kind of flows from this. All right. He's the expert evangelist. Mm -hmm. He's the professional Christian. <laughs> our job is to give and bring our non-Christian friends yeah. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, the Great Commission is not only, I mean, this may surprise some of you listeners, guys, but the Great Commission wasn't just given to preachers. Mm. It was actually given to every Christian, mm -hmm. right? And I think, you know, Ephesians 4 is obviously a verse we talk about here, but, yeah. but God has given, you know, folks like Blake and Thomas and myself, you know, prophets and apostles and teachers and pastors to the church 
to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, mm -hmm. for the work. And part of that ministry is evangelism, is their outward facing uh, evangelism to others. And so I think that kind of debunks some of the maybe wrong ways of thinking about what evangelism is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I grew yeah. up in a, how do you evangelize? Invite your friends to church. Come to church evangelism. Invite your friends oh, to man. church. Yeah. Invite your friends to church. Invite your friends to church. Friends to church. Now, it's not bad. It may be bad, though. Actually, I'll say, look, it might be bad to invite your friends to church. Some friends you should feel free to invite to church, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. some friends, like they're, you know, like I've got friends that that there is a, you know, a, a, a Jesus haunting in their soul, right? They grew up in yep. church. They're not really following Christ, but there's something in them that knows Jesus is real. Mm -hmm. So invite that friend to church. That's a good friend to invite to church. I have other friends that are totally antagonistic to the church and anything that the church would say. And, and an invitation to the church right them may only serve to reinforce their issues with Christianity and with Christ. And so I want to maybe, before I invite them to church, invite them over for dinner, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? right? I just want to yeah. invite them into my home, or I may want to, you know, invite them for a walk or whatever it is. And that's really the hope of Table Talk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be meaningfully investing <laughs> into these that's relationships good. with non-believers we, we got the idea of a table talk. i was telling this to you thomas like you know did you i mean you went nelson price to church yeah so of course i mean oh, oh, yeah <laughs> every every sunday was if i can only get them to come to church my preacher will do it every sunday yeah and y'all also had i know <clears throat> monday night visitation every monday night right right and yeah. i bet y'all had a pretty good crowd oh yeah there were four or five hundred folks that would show up every really? mm -hmm. oh it was it was a big crowd roswell street man I'm that was dead. that was <laughs> That was the height of kind of Southern Baptist hey, the, 80s the, life. The, the, the mm -hmm. 80s, you were there. 90s, you were, man. You I, were you were basically at like Live Aid 85. Like 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 what that I mean, was for rock and roll music. Like I might have Roswell some, Street, I might have some t-shirts. Yeah, Roswell Street Baptist Church was <laughs> for like Southern Baptist life. But um, you you were there when um, the when you two and and uh the police like had the passing of the torch of great 80s rock oh. as it relates to southern baptist life anyway <laughs> yeah um i right. think you know you <laughs> <laughs> i think you know and I, I don't know where this mindset comes from but i think we're all somewhat susceptible to it um but like the if you're a sunday only christian your evangelism will only be come to church evangelism. You got to get it done. That's right. You know, and so what I mean by that is if you're not living life with gospel eyes, right? If you're not living life with gospel intentionality every single day when you show up to work and as you're parenting and as you're a neighbor mm -hmm. and you believe that like your spiritual living is among the saints when you gather on Sunday, you'll just never be the evangelism, the evangelist that God has designed you to be. Yeah. And it's a sign of selfishness. It's a sign of self-serving Christianity. If I, I think if I have, if evangelism is missing, either I'm, I'm not quite discipled and getting to the place where I realize that, or I've just become a self-serving God. Yeah. God's here to serve me type of Christian. That's right. Yeah. That's a good category too, Blake. Like there's, there's Sunday only Christians where you have to do everything in the worship service. Cause that's the only time I'm going to give yep. God this mm -hmm. week. There's church-only Christians, right? Mm -hmm. So, like Monday night visitation is kind of an example of that. Like we have, we go to the church, 
there's a pastor there, he prays for us, and then we go out from the church. And like, That's right. I have to have this like church building battery thing in order for me to do anything like Christianly. Um, and so, yeah, but, but really what table talk is, is it's actually thinking about Monday Night Visitation. The good thing about Monday Night Visitation is there was a rhythm in the life of church members every week where they were thinking about evangelism yeah. mm -hmm. and praying for the lost, praying together for the lost. What we're trying to say is, we, we want you to do that, just the whole like technique of going to the church, just going to the neighborhoods around the church and trying to knock on doors. There's actually people in your life right now that don't know Jesus yeah. that you can actually have an impact on because right. you're in relationship with them if you'll take intentional relationship time to build those relationships. Mm -hmm. And so really it's, it's creating that rhythm, whether it's, I take someone in my office to lunch every other Tuesday, not to necessarily share the gospel immediately, but just to like have an intentional mm -hmm. outward facing relationship, mm -hmm. or I am in this workout group, or I take a walk every Monday night in my neighborhood with my wife. We pray for our neighbors as we walk around, hoping that God would open the door for some sort of gospel intentional relationship or, or conversation. And that is table talk. That That is the mm -hmm. idea of what rhythm is in your life that you're moving toward outward-facing relationships in a gospel-intentional way. And obviously, prayer is a big part of that. All right. What, what else we got, guys? I think these next two weeks are going to be awesome. I'm excited about them. I'm excited about them. We've, we've covered everything today from... <laughs> sneak previews. Nelson Price being Bono, basically, Which to... amazing. Uh, yeah, basically to, um, you to know, John Kellis's baseball practice, to John Kellis's baseball, to Blake's home, to Blake's home farm. Yeah, that's right. So, all right. Well, Hey, who knows what next week would bring, <laughs> but, uh, for Thomas Nelson and Blake Rogers, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.